If you're in construction, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Constructed Behaviors Podcast. I'm your host, Barb Allen. I'm a woman with decades of experience in the construction industry, and most of it on the job site. I know how rewarding this industry can be, but like you, I also know that we could improve. Let's work together to make changes from the inside out. Today's guest is unlike any guest I've had thus far because she is somewhat new to the construction industry. Loretta Mulberry is the business development manager for Terra Translations, and she has a goal to break down language barriers in construction and manufacturing. So if you've ever been on a job site, or anywhere for that matter, that English was not the predominant language, then you can empathize with why it is so important to break down language barriers. Only once in my life have I been somewhere that it was really hard to find some English-speaking person, and that was Morocco. We're recording these episode, this episode just a few days after the horrific earthquake there. I, um, I'd always intended to talk about Morocco in this episode with Loretta, and I still will, but today it just it feels a little different for sure. In Morocco, English isn't their first or their second language. Arabic is their first, and French is their second, or at least where I was. Being somewhere that you are unable to communicate with people verbally or through the written word can make you uneasy, frustrated, and totally feel less than confident. I typically try to at least learn the basic language before I visit a new country. But Arabic was way outside my learning zone. It's not even kind of relatable like French or Spanish. You can kind of tell what they're what what the words are. That's not the case for Arabic. It was way outside of my comfort zone. So I was at the mercy and I was so thankful for the few people that did speak at least broken English and were willing to help me with translation. Imagine being a worker on an English speaking job site but you speak little or no English. Imagine what that must feel like. Not only do they not understand instructions, they also can't read or understand safety signage if it is only in English. Or imagine what they get out of a toolbox talk that is only given in English. It's like people are just checking the box by saying we did a toolbox talk when not everyone can even understand it. Now, many companies have made strides to make non-English speaking workers more comfortable and safe on job sites, but we have a long way to go. So let's dive into what we can learn today from Loretta. Welcome, Loretta. Hi, so happy to be here. So let's start with how many languages do you actually speak, or at least somewhat fluently? Okay, I am going to say two and a half, realistically. I used to say three, but my French is very tray rusty at this point. It's been a long time. <laughs> there aren't a lot of places to practice French here in Wisconsin, but English is my native language, and I have been studying Spanish since it must be seventh grade in middle school. So I will give myself a pretty high score in my Spanish speaking abilities. Awesome. So what what drew you into languages? It would be simply wanting to communicate with others. Uh, growing up where I did, we do have a large Spanish-speaking population, and 
I found myself very drawn to other people, whether it be family friends or other people in the community. And it was exciting to me that they were speaking this other language and they seemed to have all of this other culture that I was not aware of. And I, I wanted to be involved and I wanted to get to know them. So I began language as soon as I could in school. It's something that my family has always been into as well. Everybody enjoys learning languages and traveling. So I would say curiosity more than anything got me into it. And fortunately, it just so happened to be something I was pretty good at. So that sort of continued then through college and then grad school and into the professional world as well. So what is your degree actually in? Or degree I, of like... <laughs> the undergraduate degree would be in Spanish uh, with minors in French and business. And then the graduate degree is in translation and interpreting studies, which was very cool because I didn't know that were that was an option. And it felt like they had sort of made that program just for me <laughs> to uh, explore the idea further. That's awesome. So how did you get into translation for instruction and manufacturing? It's a niche I sort of fell into. It's not something that is spoken about a lot, either on the translation side or in the the, the safety and construction world. Uh, it's just not a topic that you hear about quite often. However, being here in Wisconsin, we have so much manufacturing around us. We have a lot of trades work and Clearly, a lot of those people come from Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, a couple little statistics here. The, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, they say that one in four construction industry workers were born outside the U.S., with about half of all construction laborers actually being Hispanic. Well, so it's one of those things that we all know anecdotally, right? There, there are quite a few Spanish speakers in the industry. But when you look at the numbers, you realize just how many there are. And like you said, a lot of companies have made strides to increase their language accessibility, but it's still a relatively new idea for most in the construction industry. So I have fallen into this sort of seeing an opportunity for both sides to bridge that gap for employers to reach out more to their employees and for employees to feel more included in their workspace. So who do you work with the most or that's a question I really want to ask. Let me think about this. What I, what I want to know is who, what are the, the ranges of companies that are coming to you? Like, are they just starting their journey? Like, Hey, we're realizing this is a problem and we don't know what to do with it. Or are they like, Hey, we've done this, this, and this, and it's still not working. What do we do now? Most of what I've seen so far has been has been the first. They've said, hey, we know that we have a lot of Spanish-speaking employees. However, we, we don't know where to begin. We like the idea of translation, but we don't super know what it means. Uh, and they're really looking to take that first step into it, which is very exciting for me because if we can build a language services program from scratch, well, that's just awesome for everybody. We can make sure that we build it properly and build it to the best that it can be. So mostly I am hearing from safety directors, uh, you know, training managers and supervisors, and even heads of HR. Often heads of HR are the people who realize first and foremost that, hey, there's a bit of a language barrier here and it might be causing problems. But really anybody in an organization who is super involved in safety and training, they're going to know firsthand where these gaps are. 
Well, I think it's interesting that you say the head of the HR is the first person to really realize the gap. And what's unfortunate about that to me is coming from the field, being a job site superintendent, mm -hmm. that we aren't the first ones recognizing that this is a problem and we need to figure out how to solve it. And so in some of those mm. cases, maybe the field is taking it to HR and HR is the one that approaches you. But my experience, like the first time I really worked with people who did not speak English, it was probably 1999, 2000. And for some reason, that song, 99 Balloons, started just popping into <laughs> my head. Um, it was between 1999 and 2000. And we had a lot of masonry jobs going on in Kansas City and not enough masons to keep up with the schedules. And we had masons from Canada that started coming down to fill those spots. And mm. we had a lot of masons that spoke French. And I was just, it was really interesting to me. I, I took two years of French in high school um, and mine is rustier than yours. <laughs> but, you know, as a, at that time I was an assistant superintendent and the Masons were just one part of the job. It wasn't like they were predominant on the job. So it was more like, oh yeah, there's a language barrier there, but you didn't think about it that much because they weren't the predominant on the job. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I really wish that I would have tried harder and recognized the struggle that they were probably having with, with the English um, that we were speaking and our signage and et cetera. But for me, the real lesson was when I moved to Houston and mm. when I got sent to Houston and the majority of my workforce spoke Spanish and I'd never taken Spanish, but I love to communicate with people. I want to find a way to communicate in some way. And it just gave me a whole different perspective of, it gave me a different perspective because it wasn't just they couldn't understand me, I couldn't understand them. Right. And I'm like, okay, there has to be effort put forth here, which I wanted to spend the effort. If I'm honest, not all the superintendents felt the same way, but I wanted to, and I wanted to learn how to talk to them and they wanted to learn how to talk to me. And it was kind of a fun relationship because they would teach me things and I would teach them. And there was this humility that we passed back and forth. Um, helping each other get better at each of our respective languages. So I think it, I think for a lot of people, it takes being in that perspective, being in that situation where all of a sudden you're the one who doesn't understand and can't read the signs that you're like, oh, wait, we need to do something here. Absolutely. My, my, my favorite story is, there are a couple words in the Spanish language that I I struggle to understand the difference of um, it. One of them um, is hombre and hombre. And to me, <laughs> even though I know I just said them a little different, it's the same word to me. And one day uh, we were leaving a job site. I was superintendent at this point, And I had three guys walking out with me, all Spanish speaking. And I kept saying, soy muy hombre, soy muy hombre. <laughs> and, you know, you're laughing just like they were laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing at me? And they're like, because you keep telling us you're such a man. 
And I'm like, I'm trying to tell you I'm hungry. They're like, well, you're pronouncing it wrong. You're telling us you're such a man. Like, I love that. There you go. So what? Um, tell us more about what you guys t- at Terra Translation do and how you are really helping um, helping our job sites, helping our industry. Well, I will say, first of all, I, I absolutely love that story because every <laughs> single every single one of us has at least one or a ton of slightly embarrassing stories about learning our language because language acquisition is, can be embarrassing. It's not always a clean, straightforward process. So if you are learning another language or if you are trying to speak your second language and are nervous you're going to mess up, just let it go. We've all been there. All right, we're going to embarrass ourselves together. Let's just try not to get too hung up on it. Worst case scenario, somebody gets a good laugh out of it, right? It could be. Ah, it could and be. you're right. Like they most likely you're you're making a mistake to someone who also had to learn your language and make exactly. Well. And so it was just one of those funny things. And you know, honestly, I don't remember a single time that they said something that was funny and, and totally wrong, but I'm sure it happened a million right. times. So it's it's not like they probably don't remember that incident, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, everybody cut yourself some slack. I'm here as a language professional to tell you that you're that you should all cut yourself slack. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'll take that authority. Uh, but at Terra Translations, we are what we would say a language services provider. We focus on translation, which is document translation from one language to another. So not the spoken interpreting uh, that you would see in person, but any written materials, like you said, toolbox talks, uh, safety signage, HR materials, things like that, often from English into Spanish, but any of the other major languages as well. Are, you know, we, we work with those on a daily basis at Terra, but here in the States, it is primarily Spanish with some Arabic, Hmong, and we really want to make sure our goal for the construction industry is to increase language accessibility so that any information you are putting out to your employees is equitably available to everybody, regardless of your linguistic or cultural background. You have the right to understand that information just as clearly as anybody else. So we often assume that if somebody somebody speaks English at least well enough to get by day to day, that they can just understand anything written or spoken, right? And none of us wants to admit that that's not the case because we would all love to take credit and say, yes, I'm perfectly fluent. I never have any issues understanding anything in my second language, but it's just not the case. <laughs> Even those of us who speak it every single day. So it's important to remind ourselves that getting these materials translated into other languages is a very small step that will have a large impact on our team. Like you said, we want to feel comfortable. We want to feel included. And when it comes to safety and training materials, there's just no reason to take the risk if we don't have to, to not understand something. Having it in our native language is always going to be the best way to make sure that we are being as educated and informed as possible on the job site. I like how you mentioned, um, and these aren't your words, but a false sense of competency where you mm. hear someone speaking and you think they're it's well enough that they understand what you're saying. And I, I've been in that situation. I, now, granted, my Spanish was much better when I left Houston after being there for eight years. My Spanish was much better 
than it is now. I've, I've been away from Houston for shoot over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm recently, I'm starting Duolingo again, which maybe we should talk about here in a minute. Um, I love it. But, um, I, I'm starting to pick it up a little. And I went to um, Cabo a month or two ago. And while I was there, you know, what I'm able to say comes across confident and people think I know what I'm talking. And then they start and Spanish speaking, they speak so fast. And my comprehension is not that fast. Like I can read Spanish pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they speak it slowly, I can understand enough to get the gist of the conversation. But the way that I present myself when I go in and I say hello and I say, how are you? And I ask for something in particular, it sounds like I know what I'm, that I'm a, a fluent speaker and I'm not. And so I love that you mentioned that because I think that we do that on job sites as well. And we have yeah. to remember that these workers have, they've learned the phrases that they need to learn, the phrases that they need to say every day, whether they've taught them themselves or they've learned or their kids have taught them, which is a lot of it. Um, but they don't, they, they can't keep up with the rest of it. They don't, they've just learned that. And I think we need to keep that in mind and ask people, like what, what's your level? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even in English, I have been speaking it for 30 some years now, but if I went to a job site, which is not my profession, there would be a lot of language that I didn't understand even in English because well, it's just not vocabulary I'm familiar with. So I like that you mentioned that. I mean, it is a specialized industry. We know what we're good at, but you don't really know what you don't know. And you can't ever guarantee what somebody else doesn't know. Yeah, it's a good point that we have. So we have our own language within construction. That's hard mm-hmm. enough without it being a different cultural language. It's everything from what we call the bathroom um, and in one city to what it's called in another city. You know, it's it's. It's amazing what we Okay, I'm very curious about that now and would like to write an academic paper about that. Oh, my gosh. Well, and I'll I'll tell you, I don't think I've I've said this in an episode before, but I was at um, when I was speaking in Con Expo, one of the things I was talking about communication skills in general, and I was talking about how we have to be careful that not everyone understands you know, Mm -hmm. what we call something and we've got to make sure they understand our terminology, our abbreviations, all of that. And so it was a room of, I don't know, 200 plus people. And I said, all right, who in the room can tell me what a Kaibo is? And three guys raised their hand. I'm like, oh, you must be from Des Moines. And I said, who knows what a Johnny is? And three guys in the back raised their hand. I'm like, all right, man, Kansas City guys here. And then I said, all right, who knows what a shitter is? And the audience just starts laughing. (laughs) And I'm like, it's all the same thing. Like we just call it something different. And a lot of times it's based on who the primary company was when we started in the industry that was supplying them in our area. And a guy came up to me afterwards and he's like, hey, I just want you to know I'm from Hawaii and we call them luas. It's not a luau, but it's a lua. And uh, I'm like, all right, I can use that for my next speech. So we do, we have this terminology that not everyone understands. Yeah. All right. We'll mark it down. 2024, Barb and Loretta are going to speak at the NAWIC convention. 
topic, bathroom names in any language, any dialect, any state. <laughs> Come to us for the important talks. <laughs> I think we might get the most attended. I mean, that that just in itself is intriguing, right? <laughs> I can't wait. So um, what about talking about signage on job sites? What have you found that companies are saying are the most needed related to safety? Is there anything in particular? Well, I like to always ask each new client, where are your sticky points? Because it might be different for everybody, but that's also something that I would love to hear from you and anybody else in the industry, since I am still fairly new to it, you know, in that sense, I want to know where can we as an industry help support you more? What would be most helpful to you? For example, we know that when it comes to signage, having it in another language, of course, great. But we know that having imagery as well is always helpful. I'm sure that's something that even in English has been uh, widely known in the training and safety industry for a while as well. But it helps to have something very visually striking. So if we can have that in English and Spanish and have an image, of course, that's a win-win all the way across the board. But I would like to hear if there are suggestions on where I could be doing more to make sure that these messages are getting across. Yeah. And we'll, we will have links uh, so that you guys can reach out to Loretta in the show notes. Um, but talking about the image made me think about, you know, in general, when it comes to male communication styles, uh, fewer words is better. Mm. Where fewer words are better. Um, when you are, especially verbally, but when you look at whether it's an email or it's a sign, the more words it has on it, the less chance you're actually gonna get your message across. Mm. And in the construction industry, it's so fast paced. If you can walk by a sign that has an image that gives you the information you need, most of those guys aren't stopping and reading them, but they can get the message from an image that is huge. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So we'll, you know, trying to keep it concise then in yeah. any language. If you have to use words, keep it short and simple. Yes, absolutely. Um, gosh, I had another question and it just, it just left my mind. Well, I will say while you're thinking about that, the images you use, this is a larger topic as well, might have a cultural implication <laughs> depending on where your audience is. It's likely not to be any sort of an issue, of course, on a job site or a safety related, but something interesting about our industry is the culturalization of our work as well. If you are going to be taking documents meant for an American audience or a Canadian audience, and you would like to use the same thing for an audience in a different country, it's always best to work with an expert or a native speaker from that country to take a look at your images and say, ooh, actually, this type of image means something totally different in our culture. This color, for example, can have a different meaning, or this gesture could be wildly offensive or very silly. So it's a very fun part of our job, I think, as well, the culturalization, not just matching up words, but matching up the tone and the idea behind something as well. That's interesting. I would not I would not have thought of that. So thank you for sharing. 
So how have you felt um, the construction industry has, has welcomed you in with that not being your background? Oh, I am so relieved to say that it's been overwhelmingly positive. I, I feel very at home already in this um, adoptive industry of mine. And I was a bit nervous thinking, you know, I'm an outsider. I, I would like to approach this from an aspect of I, I want to learn and I'm here to support you. I certainly don't want to present myself as an expert in your own industry, but everybody has been so open in terms of telling me the things that I need to know, telling me what I don't know and helping direct me where to go. Joining NAWIC, of course, was a great move. There are so many wonderful women in that organization and everybody has been super welcoming. I am hoping to attend some more in-person events with them when I can. Uh, but overall, the construction industry has been so receptive, not just to me though, but of translation in general. And it's nice to see that from a lot of organizations who have never done it before, maybe never even really considered it, but there is a huge want, a growing want, not just a need, but a want to get into language services and language accessibility to make sure that these safety and training materials that people work so hard on are as effective as possible because safety in and of itself has become a huge industry and a cultural movement uh, here in the U.S. So I think it makes a lot of sense that people who dedicate so much time and energy to taking care of their people are open to the idea of doing it in other languages as well. It's been very heartening. So when you talk about creating documents, a question that listeners may have is earlier you mentioned, you know, creating programs from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but do you also offer if somebody wants someone, you know, stuff that you already have available is there stuff like that that people can purchase from you with putting their logo on or something like that. Oh, interesting. Like a safety manual, like a toolbox talk already yeah. created in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, no, that is not something we offer, but it's a very interesting idea. Usually it's, hey, we have these materials that we've already created. Uh, can you translate them all into Spanish so that we can republish them? And of course, ideally, we would have an ongoing partnership so that you could say every month we do new toolbox talks, we'll send it to you when it's ready, and then we'll publish them both bilingually together. Right. But that is an interesting part. Hmm. Well, and I'm going to stew on that one a little bit. Well, I think there are a lot of companies uh, that are younger companies that are, you know, they don't even have all the toolbox talks, right? They're coming right. up with stuff on their own. But if they had a resource they could go to and say, hey, I'm looking for toolbox talks for 2024, do you mm -hmm. have a packet, you know, something that is in these are the languages that my my workers speak. I think yeah. that that could be an easy button for some people. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm wondering if there are companies who already release those in English like national organizations in safety and training who would do that in English. And perhaps that could be a potential partnership uh, with us then to make sure to help them offer those in Spanish as well. Ooh, I'm going to do some research once we get off this call. Well, and as you just mentioned other organizations, I thought of two that came to mind. I'm writing them down now so I can tell you when we. Please do. I would love to love but, to check them out. You know, what I love about that is, I, I love that we we're just having a conversation that was meant to go one way and we started like <laughs> brainstorming it into something else. And I think yeah. that 
that's something that women in construction, uh, women in general, maybe all people are just really good at. Like if you make the time to sit down and just get to know someone, as awkward as it can be at first, just to get past the who am I, who are you, small talk. Once you get past that discomfort of the small talk, you can get into this stuff that's like, oh my gosh, what about this? Oh, wait, I know someone. Do you know someone? Oh, wait, what about this? I know I love how those conversations, especially the past year of my life, it's just, it feels like most every conversation I have turns into something that I didn't expect it to turn into. And I love that. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about what I do. Translation, of course, in general, you're going to learn about a lot of different topics. But uh, being in my role with Tara, I am always learning something new. Every new company I speak with, every new industry that that I touch on, it's just an opportunity to meet new people and learn new things. Um, so I, I completely agree. It's a lot of fun. And it's, again, very exciting to me to speak with people who are so open to the idea of language accessibility and language services and seeing, well, here's where we think it could help. But well, look, here are all these other areas where it could also help. So right. I love it. So is there, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to make sure you get a chance to throw out there? Oh, well, I know as soon as we hang up, I'm going to think of 10 things that I told myself <laughs> not to forget to say, but I will say in general, uh, yeah, trust yourselves a little bit more than you do to try to speak in your second languages. I know it can be awkward or a little embarrassing. You might not have used your Spanish since high school, but a little bit of effort from person to person within the team goes a long way. Of course, from an employer standpoint, your organization doing your document translation, hugely important, but just team member to team member, that little bit of vulnerability opens the door to a friendship that you probably wouldn't have had or a better working relationship with that person. Because if you're holding back what you know, the chances are that other person is holding back a little bit of what they know too, in terms of your language. So I would say be brave, go out there, reach out to somebody, try speaking in their language, even if it's just a few words, even if it's a, Hey, how are you? I I think you'll be surprised to see the positive effects that it has. Well, and I'll throw out, I mentioned Duolingo earlier and yes. um, I, I'm a fan. I, I've used it from time to time. I'm doing it again now to, to prep for, I'm doing a mission trip to Costa Rica in January. So cool I'd like to be able to, to speak better for that. Um, but throwing it out there to people who aren't super familiar with it, you, you can actually get the free app from Duolingo. And what I actually like about the free app is I think I think if you make five mistakes, it shuts off for the day and you have, you know, you can't do it again until the next day, which is actually kind of good because if you make more, like you get so frustrated, you don't want to do it the next day. But if you're like, you make your five mistakes pretty early, you're like, no. And then you like next day, you're like, okay, I'm going to do better. Um, But it's been, it's been a really great program is, do you find that it's useful? I do. I've used it myself. I've used it from time to time to brush up on my French when I needed it. I've also used it to get into some Portuguese. I've started learning 20 different languages. I'll admit that right now. (laughs) But I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Some Polish as well. But that one is very, very tough for me. So Duolingo, I fully support using that one, especially the free version of the app. Uh, I think it works great. 
And of course, other ways to get into it would be the music for the language you're looking into. If you're looking into learning Spanish, then you're welcome already with the music. Check it out. It's going to be great. Super fun way to get involved in language. The TV shows, the movies, everything, any any little bit of culture like that that you can absorb and hear the language is going to be beneficial. Well, and I didn't know until I just started Duolingo again, they now have a podcast where they tell really? stories. There are stories in, well, I'm doing the Spanish. So there's stories in Spanish and, you know, you can just listen along and see what you can garner from it. But I, I of course love podcasts and uh, I have, I've, I have subscribed, but I haven't listened to one yet. So it's, it's on my list, but I, I thought that would be really good for me just to see what I can pick up. Yeah, I think that's a super cool idea. I had no idea they were doing a podcast. Yeah. It was <laughs> such a great interview. I have loved getting to know you and I can't wait for opportunities to work together in the future. Me too. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was absolutely lovely. If you know someone that could benefit from this particular episode, then share it with them. Or if you want to continue to learn about the untapped and underutilized resources that will take your business to the next level, then follow the podcast. You don't want to miss an episode where we discuss what you needed to hear. And lastly, there is a link in the show notes that will allow you to reach out to me directly if you want to accelerate that learning curve. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.